Hey guys, welcome to the Better Building Systems Podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Ferry, and here with us today is Nick Taliska, Jim DePasquale, and Mark Sankey, and we are the Building Hot Rodders. So in today's podcast, this is the part two of our last episode titled Keep It Simple Stupid. And if you didn't listen to the previous episode, definitely check that out. But we pretty much just dove into uh, more of a blanketed conversation of just the importance of simplicity in mechanical systems design, HVAC applications, and so on and so forth. So today's episode is, like I said, the part two of that, and we'll get into a little bit more detail on, I guess you would call it the controls end of the conversation. So we didn't touch on that last time. So just a little bit of recap again for you guys, a a big part of the conversation and it will follow through in today's conversation too, is, you know, simplicity is in the eyes of the beholder. So something that maybe we consider simple or you consider simple is not necessarily simple to somebody else. If it's just, you know, based on the technology, complexity, uh, so on and so forth. So that will follow through with today's. And um, I think a, a starting point for the conversation is tried and true is valuable, right? We don't, we don't need fancy new stuff, cool technology. If it's not simple or I don't know what the right word or how, (laughs) maybe I'll need some help picking up on this, but you know, tried and true is valuable because we know it works. It has worked and it always will work. Right. I don't know, Clayton. I'm in a contrarian mood today. Okay. What do you got? I might disagree with a lot. Uh, I don't know. And I, and I think on the last podcast, I might have been the one that's, uh, I think I posed it as a question, like, is it in the eye of the beholder? And I, I don't I don't know. I, I struggle with this. I think there's probably some key principles, and we'll get okay. into them today, with, especially with the BMS. But uh, I don't know. You know, just because something's new and maybe not familiar does not mean it shouldn't be in the context of... Uh, Simple. Yeah, exactly. Well, you're probably right because, you know, if I took what I just said and ran with it, one could say everything should still be pneumatic control systems, right? Or better yet, it'd be a chain connected to a damper in the basement that you just pull on. Simple, right? That was the first PID control loop or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so yes, you're probably correct. Um, But so let's just, you know, it all goes back to the specific need, whether it's a need defined by the OPR, which Mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit about that more sometime later, I'll get back to it, or the requirement of the, uh, based on the criticality of the system. So there's a reason that uh, if you read any uh, BMS control system installation manual with regard to specifically end devices like fire or free stats, they make a very clear disclaimer that this is not to be used as a a safety limit for shutting off equipment, et cetera. So if, if things were really fail safe and that simple, you could use your mixed air temperature sensor or your coil discharge air temperature sensor as your freeze that and expect your BMS system to shut it down. There's a reason people don't do that because the mechanical simplicity of a freeze that a board on tube or a bellows yep. or, you know, in a collapsing vapor tension element is much more reliable, faster acting and works day or night, night or day, every single time. And in fact, you can put them in and they last for a long time right. and will still function. 
versus your microprocessor that might be subject, might be having a bad day because of a Windows 10 update or who knows what, and decides not to close the dampers or start the circ pump or do the things yep. that freestyle should do. Yep, yep. So there we get back to uh, modes of failure and, and points of a system failure then when, we, when we're talking about simplicity. Well, that's one example. No, no, no I, but I think that might carry through to a lot of things. I mean, often in you know, in the world we're talking about, engineering and designing systems, that is a big part of, uh, you know, designing the, the simplicity principles is, you know, avoiding the multiple points of failure or cascading errors that would lead to catastrophic failure of a critical system. You know, Correct. I think we started with talk, this last episode talking about uh, death and destruction. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think Mark touched upon a very important point there. If you are dealing with, um, you know, mission critical or just any um, control system that is very sensitive to failure, the, you don't might not want to be relying on like your your network connection for like the more critical set points and operating parameters. Probably still a good idea to have some hardware points in your field level control versus relying every, you know, relying solely on like a backnet or Modbus, you know, network connection. Oh, absolutely. Well, we, we, Correct. um, I should be correct in saying this, Mark, we are on a job. And I guess I want to say this lightly, Yeah, but be careful. we've seen this before and why it, you know, using the network, to communicate some and you know field points is dangerous. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is dangerous. Oh, so yeah. I was on the phone with a good friend last night, been in the business for, you know, in the commissioning business, been in the business for about the same well, he's exactly my age, started, you know, uh, right out of school and has been doing you know, owns his own commissioning business last night. And he was on a pharmaceutical project where they needed to maintain pressurization. They had, you know, three big uh, supply fans. Uh, one was, suppo- was supposed to, so this goes back to our redundancy uh, podcast as well. So they had two fans running, one as a standby. And during the pharmaceutical manufacturing process, if you don't maintain pressurization and process stability, basically you throw out the batch or for the duration that you're out of compliance you know, with your uh, validation requirements. So he went to commission the project and the way they had it configured and programmed was if we lose one fan or it goes down for any reason, the second, the backup fan speeds up and takes over. Well, in the time that it takes for that to happen in the control system, basically they would lose almost 15 minutes of FDA uh, validated building conditions and would have to throw out a batch. And so why is all that happening inside the controller over the network to three different controllers versus having all three fans run continuously to maintain the same static pressure set point. So as soon as one fan goes offline and the dampers close, the other two pick up. Well, as a whole, you know, rewrite has to be submitted, you know, for approval, all that good stuff. But that's the point. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Oh, we'll pass this data back and forth across the network. But in the end, 
doesn't meet the requirements, performance requirements for the project and probably isn't the best way to do it. Wait, so you, you're telling me that they had two fans, for instance, one fan running, one fan off, and when there was a failure? Three fans. Three fans? Yes. Two but, running, one off. Okay. And if they lost one of the two in operation, the other one would have to start. Yeah, so you'd have the lag of that. Okay, yeah. That's right. Yeah, absolutely makes well, sense. I agree with you. <laughs> yeah. And they were doing it just what you said, over a network. Yep. That's not good. It was just not it, – it was, it was well away from keep it simple. Yeah, over the network is definitely dangerous. <laughs> what about like – um, you know, another, I guess another part, I mean, there's a lot you can talk about with, you know, BMS, but I guess at the macro level, what, which we're kind of at, like, what about security then with, with building management systems or, you know, facility network security in general, you know, we, I feel like it can be looped into the keep it simple discussion. I just, I don't know. What do you, what are your thoughts on that? I think it's more important than ever. But is can you overcomplicate security to a point where it is either you know less functional or I don't want to say useless or anything, but you know is there's got to be that happy medium again on security as well. We're talking about I'm presuming uh, internet security or well yeah now yeah data security network security I mean like yeah. even with building management systems and I know maybe maybe. You know, there's some experts we can bring into the conversation for that as well. But I don't know, just oh, another yeah. talking point of simplicity and, and the importance of it in a way, too. Yeah, so uh, I have a couple thoughts on that. So we all know a major retailer got hacked uh, was in 2020, I think. Right. Uh, and the hack came in through the BMS system. Right. Okay. So there's a couple of ways we can do this. Number one, and, and where's all the risk lie? Well, a lot of it lies in the software as a service because you need to be continuously connected to the internet or mm -hmm. the cloud. So if you choose to do that, you have already ruled out the option of uh, constructing a VLAN, parsing out the data and assume the responsibility of manual updates, all the network maintenance. And there are many, many entities that do that. Mm -hmm. So we start by, you know, the, the easiest way to do it, separate physical network, no connection to the outside world. That's great, but there's a big workload that accompanies that. So the next step is say, okay, I can construct a VLAN, uh, VPN to whatever software as a service mechanism we plan to use. That's, you know, the, the second thing. And then, you know, I think it was just last year. Maybe, you know, COVID has really corrupted my internal clock. <laughs> I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah. 2019, yeah. when uh, BACnet released uh, BACnet SC, BACnet Secure Connect, which uh, basically uses DLL socket layer as a separate security system uh, for security of BACnet-based systems. And, you know, there are many of the big manufacturers are starting to come out with compliance with BACnet SC, but... I would think that all new stuff would be BACnet SC compliant. And for the most part, you can go backwards and uh, make your old stuff BACnet SC compliant. That, I mean, most people, hey, if I can buy out-of-the-box security, why not buy it? That's the simplest in my yeah. book. You know? Yeah, I agree. And I think um, 
if I wanted to try to boil down what you said for maybe a listener um, or listeners that might not fully grasp what we're talking about, like, um, you know, software as a service and using the cloud and all that stuff is great. And you, you know, just because you can doesn't mean you should kind of, that's where that falls in is, you know, you're, you're more exposed as opposed to just doing a local BMS network that, you know, you have one VPN endpoint and everything else is much more secure and it's not available over the internet. Kind of, I don't know. You're breaking it down like that in a way, right? Yes. Yeah. And I agree um, completely. What is, but, but would that be a, a simple design that Mark, if you're, like you said, if you're keeping that all in house and you acknowledge that there's then additional responsibilities, if you're not going to be out using that, that, that SAS model or something or out on the cloud, like you said, but does that not then inherently internalize the complexity? And I guess I think about, you know, you can't really judge it by the, the complexity by, you know, the elements of it itself, but it's the system. And, you know, you think about your phone, right? And remember going through the, the user, the manual you got with that phone? No, because exactly. the, the complexity of the technology is always yeah. there, but it's the user interface, the user experience that has become so simplified that that's what I think people tend to focus on. Mm. I mean, nobody wants to design something that's complex. Nobody wants to buy something that's complex. You know, sales pros work at, you know, making the complex very simple for the people that are buying it. And it's the same with the people that are using it and instrumentation. That's why I think this fits in with this discussion on, on building management systems and controls is that, you know, a lot of times it's the instrumentation that we know have that makes very complex systems easy to operate and maintain. Now, maybe it doesn't fit exactly in with your your security. Oh, I, uh, Nick, I, I agree with you. So what you buy the the simple, hey, I, I'm, I'll be an island unto myself. Unfortunately, that is not the way BMS works nowadays. They all, if you buy that island, it comes with a Windows pick a generation server package or windows of some kind on it, which has its own security encryption, et cetera, et cetera. And if you don't have an IT department that keeps that up to date, I mean, how many buildings have you walked into that have an existing BMS of some vintage pick a, you know, a 2000 vintage system that has not been updated and consequently can't be supported since it was installed a lot. Yeah, you, know, no, I agree. You, you have you assume if you don't make the commitment to continuously update even your island system on a regular basis, you are condemning it to death by obsolescence. But what I I think what Nick's then saying is you're making you're making it more complicated because somebody has to manage and maintain all that. Whereas like yeah, somebody I, just wants a pretty easy smartphone where they click on it and say I want it seventy three now and then it's done. Well, I agree with that too. Think of the very large projects we've been on where there are dedicated IT staff, usually yeah, yeah. 5, 10, 15 people that manage monstrous networks. And this is just one little, you know, more incremental cost and task that they have to complete on a, you know, we used to do um, 
security and threat analysis for a Fortune 300 company on their corporate network because the BMS was on it and they figured out we were somewhat knowledgeable about it more so than their internal people. So we had to do the, you know, basically at that point, because there was so much financial information on it, had to do weekly threat analysis and any patches even before they were recommended. Usually Microsoft recommends a patch every month or every two months or whatever. But if something came out, you could go and download it and say, I want to put this on my servers now. And we had to do all that. It depends, you know, yeah, a small yeah. scale building, maybe, you, hey, I'll, I'll be an island. When you already have an existing IT department and all the people that can manage and do that, well, it's just a, a little bit more cost and then you guarantee it gets done. Yeah, I don't know why I'm, I'm hung up on this, you know, the context of simplicity. Uh, it's important though. I mean. No, 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 but trying to grasp like what, what is you know, something that's simple to one person yep. may be complex or the design. That's what we're kind of talking mm -hmm. about. Uh, you know, and I think, the you know, why do we want simplicity? Well, I think it's ingrained in us, you know, naturally, but I mean, we're the limiting factor, the people, right? I mean, the technology is often very complex, but it's our cognitive abilities and even some psychology that whether something might be too complex for the people that are using and operating it and maintaining it. But I don't know, like I said, I, I struggle with, you know, these, you know, what are, what, what makes something simple or what makes it complex? How is it measured or, or is it always relative and subjective? Man, I, and maybe that's the answer. I, I, I want to say that is the answer. And I, you know, sorry for our listeners that are looking for the answer because we're, we're leaving it pretty open-ended, I guess, but I think it's a pretty, we're having a good conversation about it, the thought process through I think, it. I think we're going to figure it out by the we end might, of the show. We might, yeah. I think so. Yeah, I agree. Okay, when in doubt, turn to Albert Einstein. You know what he says, right? What did he say? If you can't explain it to a six-year-old, you don't understand it. So <laughs> I think it's incumbent on us to be able, on, on basically all designers and people that are engaged in the systems, to be able to break this down whether it's a combination of written and verbal communication, um, graphs, pictures, whatever it is, to building owners to explain to them, here's the complex solution, maybe more cost short-term, maybe uh, more cost long-term. Here's the simpler solution, and here's why we recommend it. Just because it's new and shiny doesn't mean you need to buy it. Yeah. Okay, it, so that, sorry, but that may trigger something with me. So if we look at like, what are we trying to get by going simple versus what are we trying to avoid by not going simple, but by having a simple solution, there is that idea of it being, the knowledge being transferable, right? Like Jim, you could design what you think is a simple system for a solution, but ultimately you're not going to be with it for your entire lifetime, Right. It's going to be constructed. It's going to be operated and maintained by somebody else. So maybe that is part of what makes a solution, you know, a simple solution is that it's transferable or mm -hmm. something like that. I'm, uh, I've been spending the last 10 minutes trying to come up with a definition of like simple in the context that we're trying to use it. Great. I'm going to butcher got. this. I'm going to butcher this, but I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to take, take a shot here. You know, I, I think 
when we say when we talk about keeping it simple, maybe it's not necessarily the technology inside a particular device, you know, because if we take a simple residential thermostat connected to a furnace at your house, if we really get into the technology behind how that thermostat works, you know, to some that could seem, you know, it's pretty advanced technology when you, depending on how far you take it, you know, reducing from 120 volt AC down to, you know, low voltage direct current or, you know, getting into all the different, you know, semiconductors involved and, you know, we, what I think we need to focus on is how simple is it to, to implement and operate, you know, maybe not get so focused on the underlying yeah, technology yes. inside. Just think of it as like a little yep. box. All right. I have this little box. There's a lot of magic stuff going on yep. inside there, but you know, with this one little magic box, it's called a thermostat. I could set it to maintain a temperature and it's going to turn my furnace on and yeah. off. Um, I don't know. What do you guys you're, think? You're like going the, towards the like systemic simplicity. Yes. Ooh. I guess me as a systems engineer, yes. I'm always going to be biased yeah, towards no, that. No, I but agree. I mean, I, I would definitely agree with that. Mark's quiet. It scares me. <laughs> no, I think there's a lot of validity to what you're saying. And I was just looking at the analogy. We're all sitting at computers right now, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. We have a user interface the whole system is designed about the user interface. We know nothing about the backend program, you know, the, the kernel level yep. programming of these things. All we see and we think, oh, because we can use, you know, Microsoft Excel, and, you know, Word and, you know, uh, I don't, there's a commercial out now where they make fun of people that have to open a PDF. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> um, yep. And I'm in that age class, by the way. So what am I doing on a podcast? But the, but the whole thing that I'm trying to emphasize, it follows along with Jim's point, is we don't know how the back end works. All we know is mm -hmm. what we see and is it usable. And if the answer is yes and it meets our needs and is usable, then it's a, a success, right? Yeah. It's usable, it's reliable. Yep. And all good to go. I like it, guys. Um, <laughs> so switching gears a little bit then. Keeping, you know, still talking about keeping it simple. I think we're going to get into a little bit more of a complex discussion about simplicity. Ironic. Um, what about, you know, talking about the BMS world? What about like BMS programming and control sequences? Do we want to dive into that? I know I, I have to imagine, Mark, you got, you have some opinions on people that do things uh, in a not simple fashion on a, on a programming basis. And you, you, I'm leaning on you for this, but you got to have a boatload of examples too. Oh, sure. Um, so story time. Well, story time. Yeah. Let's go, let's go back to the beginning before there was DDC. What there were PLCs. Yep. And Alan Bradley actually, I can't, was it Alan Bradley or Gould? I can't remember, but PLCs were called relay replacer modules. Makes and sense. Everything was, yeah, that's what they're called because everything was programmed in ladder logic. So instead of having a thousand relays that, you know, did conditional switching, you could now program your switching and have, you know, I need four outputs and three inputs and versus the hundred relays in between. Now I just have my ladder logic. So the initial, you know, early on, everything was ladder logic. Then it got to, you know, Andover and then it was drum level programming, which, which, which is basic level. Mm -hmm. Uh, basic program, if then else, or Fortran kind of stuff. And then in the 80s, 
we went to actual compounding and programming and function block programming, which is the, you know, basically where we're at now, where you can pick a function block. Here's my inputs. Here my, here's my outputs. Set my, you know, PID terms, or if then else, or selection yep. programs. And that is macro level programming that has a back end behind it, just like your computer. All right. You, you enter the parameters in that function block and all the logic is behind it. So by connecting the dots in a logical manner through function blocks, you write a program. Now, there have been lots of innovations and changes and self-tuning and those kind of things. But if you go and do a search for fundamental control strategies for single zone air handlers or multi-zone air handlers or VAV systems or you know all those things, there is such an enormous library of those available from manufacturers available, you know, within manufacturing proprietary, you know, quote, proprietary libraries. There's not a real reason to go to a blank drawing board unless you really are at the research level and write a control sequence and start from a blank sheet of paper and try and program something. And when you do, Odds are you're not going to be better than everything mm -hmm. that came before you on the very first try. Right. Which like, you know, yeah, I, may, I imagine people say, oh, I, I think I can do it a, a better way. And it ends up being a more complicated, you know, difficult, whatever way of programming, any kind of control loop for any type of control. I don't know. That's a very broad statement, but. Yeah. So Mark, in your evolutionary little, uh, that description there, right, took us through many years there of, yeah. of control logic. Back to the so Stone to Age, right? Well, not quite that far. No, but I, I love this stuff. Like, would you say things got more? Uh, what's the opposite of, of simple? Is it compl com complicated or complex? Well, complex. It's complex. Complex. Yeah. So, so when, did things get simpler? I guess would be the question. But go back to the beginning and say, okay let's go say to the eighties or, you know, early eighties and we're writing line level programming. Basically if, you know, a H U one first, I name it, yeah. and I put in all the code, blah, blah, blah. What's our option there to replicate that. Let's just say we have another air handler, just a few differences. We cut it, we paste it, which you couldn't really do. You'd have to resave it as a new file name. And I edit it. What's the likelihood that you make a mistake? It's there, right? It's always there. Yeah, I think we and so, yeah, we talked about that in some other episodes too about just copy and paste errors for anything. But right. continue. Sorry. So <laughs> you you make that change and then what? The you know, there was no ability to simulate. Now there's actually you can do two things. You can simulate a control uh, loop uh, using function block programming and you can test it live and watch it in real time go through the logic in your function block programming on a screen so has it gotten it's i i think it has gotten more complex but what's viewable to the user mm -hmm. be it the programmer or the end user has gotten easier to understand if that makes sense I think so, and I think that's where really we need to to focus when we talk yes. about simplicity is the user, because the technology is always going to be ever increasingly yep. complex. Complex. So I've got 
from what you said, this replication factor, like, is it repeatable? Replication as a, as a, I guess, a principle of simplicity, would you say? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's a good one. Okay. Yeah. And, and is it understandable? You know, I've sat down with building owners or even with engineers and walked them through a function block program and said, okay, now let's load this in and we'll watch it in real time. And does it do what we want? Well, it's much easier to do that than to go out with a bunch of pressure gauges on a pneumatic system and say, okay, three to 15 pounds, let's see it, (laughs) 0.15 pounds per degree F, how many degrees is that? And try and do all that conversion. I mean, the technology has improved and gotten more complex, more complicated. But what we as the engineers, commissioning agents, designers, building owners see is much more, uh, it, it, it's much easier to cognitively process than, you know, the, the tools and the systems that we had 30, 40 years ago. Mm. I like that a lot. Yeah. I think that the human aspect of it, I mean, there's a lot of compelling information that we cannot really hold more than six simultaneous ideas or concepts in our working memories. So, I keep going back to this uh, instrumentation and the user interface part of it to really help simplify what is a collection of very complex elements right out in a system. So the explainable part and the transfer of knowledge, I think, is a key part of simplicity. You know, I I feel like I find sometimes and I I don't know, I don't want to make like I'm shedding a bad light on on people that do this, but, um, you know, like programmers for control loops you know you have your function blocks and you got all your lines and if then and else and pids um i feel like sometimes they overcomplicate it so much to to an extent that they don't even understand fully what's happening just to make you know the output whatever the end goal is work too comment Mm -hmm. thoughts i mean like mark i don't know you, you know could you uh, you know, I, I take well, somebody I, that programmed a control loop. H- have you worked with people that if you said, okay, like break this down line by line for me, what's actually happening? Do, could they always do that? Probably sometimes not. Well, probably sometimes not. And and what I, what you typically, well, when you, when you find that happening, um, so th- there it's, it's hard to draw a distinction between programmers per se and programmers that are uh, that understand building systems. Mm-hmm. So I know, you know, what I know about if I do this in a building system, this will be the, you know, mechanically or right. from flow control or whatever yep. it is. Here will be the result in terms of heat transfer, in terms of building pressurization or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to really find outstanding, um, skilled uh, programmers that have building systems experience. If I bring someone right out of school and say, I'm going to teach you to program building systems, you have a one year long, two year long minimum uh, training effort just to have them understand the building systems that they'll be programming for. That's the challenge, I think, or a big challenge. 
Get your boots on the ground, right? <laughs> yeah. That's what Which you is, need. So that runs contrary to every programmer that, well, most programmers. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I can name a lot of good programmers. By yeah. Name, really good yeah. programmers. Yeah. And everyone can hold a serious discussion about why the control loop isn't working. What are the conditions that are causing it? And yep. why this is an anomaly in the mechanical system versus the control system. What do you think, Jim? I heard you laughing back there. You just oh, agree. I, I, I agree. <laughs> it's, I wrote down probably. <laughs> I, I like that not. part. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> that just, I'm like, oh, that didn't sound great. Oh, well, go with it. Well, I don't care. I was, yeah. You can throw out anything. I don't care. You know? Probably sometimes. Don't no, know I, what that is as a percentage, but probably sometimes. I just maybe just add a little bit on what Mark was saying. He was touching upon about the if you're involved with building systems, in HVAC, I feel like we, it's hard to be very specialized into one specific area and to not have knowledge of the other area, the adjacent areas. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you do need to know at least the basics. Like if you're a programmer, you, you, like Mike Mark said, you have to know the basics of, you know, how a building operates in, you know, HVA systems and the equipment. You know, if you just know the programming, you're not going to have the full understanding of what you're actually doing and you're not going to be able to, you're going to be limited in your ability to identify and correct problems. Yeah. Well, and that, and that I think runs right in line with the simplicity conversation because, um, you know, as a programmer, maybe something that might be simple to you, like logically is mechanically not simple or vice versa, you know? So there's got to be that balance. I think Mark, I think the Freestat example was a great example. Yes, of that. I agree completely. We we did a project oh, a few years ago and solicited RFPs and a company that does a ton of process automation, like food mixing, chemical mixing, that kind of stuff, was the successful respondent. And so we said, okay. Um, get some submittals together. It was, a, it was, it was actually a pilot project for an open protocol um, integration. Okay. Submit your control sequence and submit your uh, shop drawings, et cetera. So we get this shop drawing that showed what was supposed to be a single zone air handler with control dampers, control valve, a, a heating and cooling coil. That's it. Simple. So attached to the ductwork for the outside air damper and return air were two gigantic uh, VAV boxes. They did internet search, you know, flow control, air flow control, and that's what showed up and that's what they stuck in the drawing. They had no idea what a VAV box was or what an airflow control damper looked like. So that kind of goes to the point that you need to have programmers you need to have people that understand, you know, the end objective and the equipment that they're going to be programming for. Yeah, excellent points. <laughs> I, I really enjoy these conversations and I hope our listeners do too. Um, it's interesting to talk this through with, you know, the, the level of expertise we have in this group. Um, 
Hopefully, again, hopefully, like, we make sense to people listening. I think we do. It does. You right? agree? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it makes it does, sense yeah. to a few. Yeah. <laughs> people <laughs> people are listening, so. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. What next? Do, do we have another um another division of simplicity that we want to discuss in, in today's conversation to, you know, make sure we cover everything? worthy of the keep it simple stupid podcast episodes well um i think you know we talked about reusing what works and i think it's the engineer design engineer's responsibility to help keep it simple leave you know if you leave it to the imagination of programmers in terms of your sequences of operation you'll probably get something you don't expect. So control sequences when written for projects, be they procured by, you know, a RFP or by, you know, plan and spec, don't leave it to their imagination and good control sense sequences define normal states of control elements. They define emergency states all the modes of heating, cooling, humidification, dehumidification. And when I mean all the states, you as the designer should be able to sit down and say, okay, in the morning, I'm coming out of night setback. Oh, that means I have to have a night setback mode. So in the morning, I expect it to do this. In morning warm-up, the normally closed outside air dampers will remain in the closed position during the morning warm-up period, which will be defined by the optimal start program. so that it's absolutely crystal clear. Right. And that's not a, I mean, so that the owner can read the sequence and say, that's what I want. The programmer can read the sequence and say, I understand what they want. And then they can program what you want and ultimately build what you want. Hmm. I like like that. So it starts, simplicity starts at the start. Yeah. start. Jim, this falls into your wheelhouse, right? I mean... Come on, you gotta have you gotta have something to add to that, and that can be probably to the mechanical systems, design drawings, and everything. It's got to be, yeah. Simplicity starts at the well. Start. Yeah, I think. Well, I think some like a the typical HVAC engineer is not going to have a choice but to keep it simple. We just don't have the specialized knowledge of you know we don't sit there and program these things all day, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> so it starts at the start. Yeah, and. Yeah, you know, the sequences, you know, we, yeah, we typically specify them in the, you know, book specifications on your typical bid and spec job. And, you know, you should have that every, the full, the whole control system needs to be fully specified. I don't want to like open up a can of worms here and go on a different, <laughs> I know we could go on a, you know, we've already, we Tangent. could go on and on about yeah. that, but yeah, yeah, just talking about the, the sequence of operation. Um, yeah, there's no need to, you know, get into, you know, using code syntax and getting to that advanced oh. level. You just need to fully describe how the system is going to work at, you know, every different state, you know, during the day, night setback, um, whenever there's a failure, you know, what's going to happen. You know, Mark had a great example earlier. You know, you want to make sure you think through, like, what's actually going to happen when you're same when you're describing that sequence of operation, you know, using Mark's example, if I say that I want this to run two fans, have one, you know, like a lead lag standby, 
you know, what's going to happen when there is a failure? What's my control system going to do? Is is it going to react in time? Like, or is it going to affect other aspects of the of other sequences while I'm waiting for this thing to kick on? So, yes, you could keep it simple, uh, but you have to, you know, think about the whole system and the other systems that are affected by each individual sequence. Um, and while you're doing that, you you keep it simple. You don't. There's no need to go into very advanced syntax. Yeah, this is right. HVAC design engineer, yeah. you know, level. And I, mean, I think in in a way of keeping it simple, I know this is like contradictory, but um, like you you want to really you don't want to leave a lot up to the installer, maybe programmers, whatever Im- imagination, discretion. Like just say exactly what you want, how you want it, so they do it that way in any regard for on the design end too. Right. Mm-hmm. I well, just wanted uh, to voice that for our listeners. Maybe I, I just pulled up an old project that we got on because of the control sequence. So this, this had uh, 13 air handlers on a pretty big job. All right. And the control system basically says the contractor shall control the HVAC systems to maintain the occupied and unoccupied temperatures and respond to the fire alarm inputs. That was it. That's disgusting. That's but it's very simple, right? Well, in that regard, yes, <laughs> you're right. You're right. I mean, but so, but the number of rewrites that you know the mm-hmm. uh, contractor had to do because they were fed a set of piecemeal post bid modifications was unreal until they finally got rid of the consulting engineer and said we need somebody that knows a little bit about bms and we got brought in we said let's just everybody take a breath we'll write the real sequences you can give us a change request for writing the real sequences but we'll do it once and done and then we'll commission it and we'll all be happy and that that took about a month to get done but before that there had been almost six months of frustration and finger pointing and it all led back to those two paragraphs. Hmm. That could be a great uh, another axiom of simplicity that you know simplicity can breed complexity. Oh, absolutely. I mean, and that's in, in a way what I was trying to explain earlier. And Mark, that's just a perfect example of that. Is um, yeah, like that's a simple few sentences, but that leaves it open to so much interpretation for the you know possibility of complexity, which obviously happened and a little bit of laziness. I know we talked about laziness on our last episode about simplicity too. Um, you know, yeah, simplicity doesn't simple. Doesn't mean incomplete. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Wow. I mean, we got, there's a bunch of those that we got going now. Simple doesn't mean incomplete. Um, simplicity starts at the, at the start. <laughs> this is good, <laughs> but I, I completely agree with you guys. And hopefully our listeners, if they don't, feel free to reach out, guys. I mean, shoot us an email. Check out our website. If you're tuning in on a podcast and you say, hey, I don't know about that, leave a comment. We'll respond. You say so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 We'll respond one way or another. Yeah. 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 So what do you guys think? Do we want to wrap up our, our two episodes of Simplicity at this point? How does everybody feel about what we talked about? 
I, you know, to keep it simple, stupid, I know we have the title of this, but maybe it should be like, keep it super simple or something like that. Not to change anything and what we've already done, but I just think it maybe sends a mixed message. And I'm not an overly sensitive person. You guys know that. As in calling people that don't keep it simple, stupid? Well, in a way. I say keep it simple, stupid. Is there a comma after simple when people think of this? Like, keep it simple. Hey, you, stupid. I'm talking to you. I, I like the um, the openness of it. Are we calling them stupid? Or are we saying keep it stupid simple? Ooh, okay. So without the comma. It's a little provocative. Reads, yeah. You're right. It is. Okay. I That's... like it. That was just point number one. <laughs> uh, two, Kiss may be the most underrated rock band in history. Yeah, I see where you're going. Yeah. Did you ever see them in Three. concert? <laughs> uh, yeah, but it was like animalized tours. So oh, no, makeup I saw was them many years ago. It was, it was awesome. Yeah. I bet. We saw Kiss and Ted Nugent the same summer together. That is memorable. Wow. Anyways, uh, <laughs> uh, I think we need to remember Kiss started as like a military design principle. Right. You know, so and so I, I don't think you can overlook the, the mission critical aspect of and we talked about some of these things when things are oversimplified and then they fail, you know, the pharmaceutical uh, lab space. You know, what is the implication? So it may cause you to ramp up or ramp down your simplicity, but in order to avoid something catastrophic to what you're, you know, there on Earth to do. I like it. That was. Did I say Kiss was underrated? Yes, yes you did. Okay. Yep. I like it, guys. I think this was a great uh, series of two episodes. We covered a lot. Um, yeah, hopefully you guys tuning in took something away from these conversations. Okay, not to belabor the point here, so I was taking some notes on this what is simple, yeah. right? And we talked about the number six and how that's an important number for some reason, right? Like, a lot of the ancient Greeks thought six was the perfect number for some reason. Okay, We got six animal kingdoms. It's highly symbolic in nature. And then you get to the honeybee, right? Mm -hmm. Insects, six legs. They make these hexagon-shaped honeycombs, okay. right? And incredibly robust and strong. Mm -hmm. I wanted to come up with six kind of principles of simplicity. Okay. So things I heard today were like the boundaries part. Right, and the whole simple starts at the beginning, right? Yep. You gotta frame what are you really there to attack? And if you don't make it simple, somebody will make it complex. Then you got two was the fami familiarity, and that kind of was like the don't recreate the wheel piece, yep. right? People need to be able to, I don't know, relate to it. Then there was explainable. Yeah, we talked about that, mm -hmm. the knowledge transfer. Jim was bringing up that, you know, what good is designing something and then you hand it off to somebody that doesn't understand it necessarily to operate or maintain yep. it. Then the repeatability, replication type of thing, I think that's a kind of a facet of simplicity, right? That you could take that and apply it someplace else. Yep. Talked about the coding. And then the one we started with was kind of the whole, you know, minimize the points of failure, mm -hmm. make it reliable. And then... I struggled with a number six, but I think it just simple is efficient. Simple is beautiful. Simple is never boring. Nature is simple. And that's, we talked about this in another podcast. That's kind of the point we are in 
a lot of the technology were in a ways we're replicating a lot of what we see in nature uh i don't know that was it just wanted to have a record for you with that being said that's where we'll wrap up this episode tune in our next discussion we're going to be switching gears a little bit talking about the future of buildings and energy what should be a really fun and interesting conversation so looking forward to uh having that discussion guys thanks a lot everybody for tuning in uh really enjoyed the conversation and stay tuned for the next episode have a great day Thank you.